From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast. Hot Takes Edition after Florida State manages to escape with a 33-30 win over Syracuse. And folks, that was every bit as ugly a game as expected. That was painful to watch in all sorts of ways. And yet, FSU manages to make it out with a with a win. So it's not as bad as it as it could have been in that regard. But um I tell you what, flipping back and forth between the Alabama Ole Miss game to to this game, uh, I, I saw one tweet that that commented this as well. Flipping back and forth on that, or I actually had it on a second screen for a good bit. Talk about this was a stark reminder of how far Florida State has to go. And it's just, you don't even have to watch the gameplay, really. You just have to watch the players. The players on, on, on both sides, the players on the field in Florida State versus Syracuse did not look the same as the players on the field with Alabama Ole Miss. And again, it was not just a matter of Alabama being bigger and faster and stronger, but Ole Miss looked worlds different roster-wise than what you're seeing at Florida State right now. I mean, it's just, it's so obvious when you actually watch, when you go from one to the other. And in particular, you can see the difference in terms of just how smoothly things go when you have a, when you have competent quarterback play. And that's one of the things a lot of people forget. I mean, Lane Kiffin, a lot of people want to talk about how, you know, Lane Kiffin has gone there and really made a difference. But Lane Kiffin inherited a first rounder at quarterback. I mean, he inherited a guy who has one of the strongest arms in the country, can really play across the board, and can make all the throws. And, you know, that that is what it is. Florida State has not had that. They don't have that. And what Florida State has had is multiple transition classes and lots of turnover on the roster. And, you know, I've, I, I've had people arguing with me about this on Twitter. Of Well, Florida State's recruiting rankings have been higher than, than teams like Ole Miss. Right. But how many of those players are on campus right now or, or are on, on the roster at present? Yeah. I mean, Florida State's recruiting classes, if you go back to it, Florida State should still have three five-star running backs on the, or two five-star and one, one four-star running back on the field right now. They should have Kalon LeBourne. They should have, you know, a, a variety of players. I mean, who just make them so much better, right? But those players aren't out there. Either the ones that, you know, the five stars that they did have either actually did pan out and are in the NFL now. There's a couple of those. And then there's all the ones that, that didn't. And the lack of development that's been in the program the last four years is just patently obvious. It's just there's, there's not been the development through three different regimes in the last four years that uh, you, you end up with what you've got. The, the players that look like players that look most like players are the transfers and that's no coincidence. So that's one of those things that, you know, you you can see that right up front and you can see that Florida state did not outclass Syracuse athletically in this game. That's one of the things that I think was also very apparent when you saw Syracuse's quarterback break into the open field. And, you know, this is a big six, four, 230 pound, you know, looks all looks every bit the pocket passer stereotype breaks into the open field against the Florida State defense 
in the second quarter and you're just kind of expecting, okay, well, that guy's going to, that guy didn't get, uh, okay, that guy's going to run. Oh, wow. He just, he just, the he's the one that looked like he was accelerating and those other guys looked like they were being left, left behind because wow, they, um, you've got some really slow guys on the Florida state defense. And I mean, that was obvious in multiple scenarios today where Florida State's lack of athleticism on the defense just absolutely stood out. And you could see it when, especially when Garrett Schrader, the, the, the quarterback for Syracuse, was running around with the football. I should also, I don't want to go any further without mentioning how horrendous the officiating was in this game. But I mean, the fact the fact of the matter is everything from the play on the field to the officiating to the uh, to the broadcast quality, everything was sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel. And if you want better officiating and you want better uh, better teams for your broadcasting, then you have to win games. And you know you get what you deserve in terms of of the officiating and all of that uh, in this game. And, and frankly, I mean, Florida State was lucky in this game. I mean, they. This was a game that that the crazy thing is that Florida State has 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 outgained their opponents on a per play basis in I think it's I think uh, earlier this this last week I I looked at it and I think it was four out of the five games that they played and they they really should have won they they probably should have come into this game two and two I mean that's what their second order wins are I mean they're two and two when you look at the analytics Florida State should have come into this game two and two. They basically lost two games that they, they probably should have won. And they were close in another. This is a game that they probably should have lost. If you look at the numbers, you go, yeah, Syracuse should have won this game comfortably. Florida State averaged 5.5 yards per play with two turnovers. That's, mm, that's, that's rough. Syracuse averaged 6.2 yards per play with one turnover. You, you take those numbers and you put them together and you're normally going to get a win for Syracuse and Syracuse should have won this game. But what really matters in this crazy sport, football's a funny game. What matters is what's up on the scoreboard at the end of the game. And to be totally honest, it's Florida state now can, they can point to this and they've, they've finally gotten a, a taste of success with the win. And those guys, they, you know, rush in the field, like they won a conference title or a national championship. You could kind of see Dino Babers when that happened, kind of just wryly smile like, man, has it come to this where they're celebrating like that for beating us? I mean, that that's where it is. Now, at the same point, I would if I'm Mike Norvell, I am celebrating this up in the locker room. I am hamming it up with my players. I'm emphasizing that this is the feeling you want to have after games. Doesn't this feel good? Celebrate. Get up there. Jump into the stand. Get Make this a part of how this goes. Yeah. Absolutely, because this is a team that that has not quit. This now you do have some guys that quit on too many plays, but it's a team where, by and large, you know they're trying to build in ways that you have to taste some success to really finally get those to cross those uh, those final steps, and they've not had any success. So this was a huge deal to finally get to the point where they managed to pull out a game. And the way that they won it, especially, I mean, you, you got to think that that's going to help uh, with Fitzgerald in, in the future in terms of he's he's now done it. He's actually kicked a, a kick with a game on the line, although they were, it was tied. And if he misses it, it goes to overtime. It still counts. It's still one of those like, okay, I've done this before. 
this team has, you know, okay, here we go again. No, we won the last time. That helps. That helps a lot. So you you absolutely go with that. But still, I mean, it's crazy that it's come to this for, for Florida State. But like I said, I think they were pretty lucky to win this game. I mean, you think about what needed to happen for this game to come out the way that it did. They, you think about the second quarter drive that put them ahead at the half. There's a little two minute drive at the end of the, at the end of the first half. There, there was a, that, that drive was benefited, was boosted by a late hit out of bounds at the end of the second quarter. That was not a late hit out of bounds. Guy was still in bounds. Just shouldn't have been a, shouldn't have been a penalty. But you take the 15 yards and there you go. And they end up scoring. That's a big deal. And then at the end of the fourth quarter, you have the no call on, the, on what I think was justifiably a hold. I think that should have been called in that situation on the, on the left tackle on Washington in that play. So now you have a no call on that. And that allows, uh, not only does that keep you from getting knocked out of field goal range, but it allows Travis to take off around the edge and take it down into comfortable field goal range. Completely different game if that doesn't happen, if there's, a, if there's a holding call on that like there should have been. I mean, just flat out lucky. And we haven't even gotten to talk about the parchment touchdown where you've got a lateral. That probably was a double pass because they're throwing that to a lefty behind the line of scrimmage there. That's probably a double pass, and Parchment didn't actually play it correctly. It certainly wasn't played correctly by Pokey Wilson, who's had better games. And as a result, you just had Parchment get to the ball first, scoop it up, and then score, and it was just total Sandlot stuff that you got lucky. So, I mean, frankly, this was a game where they won in key situations for once. And in a couple cases, they won in key situations with some some luck with some help and they've not had a whole lot of luck in Tallahassee in a while. So yeah, I mean, you got to feel, feel better about that. Now on the offensive side of the ball, it's, it is plain to see that they obviously do not trust Jordan Travis to throw the ball to, to run any sort of their passing offense. And that's especially true because they don't really have wide receivers who can generate space on their own, just running routes. So they they just don't trust him to make throws, particularly between the hashes. And he is a guy that tends to miss high when he misses, and that's death when you throw over the middle. I mean, that's turnovers. So they came into this game with as close to the vest and approach as, as you can have running the kind of offense that they run, basically. And they basically tried to run the ball the entire game. I mean, you look at the run play, run pass play uh, comparison, and they, they threw it 32 times, according to you know the total attempts. Now, they dropped back more than that, and then they ran it 37 times. But here's where that's deceptive. Of those 32 pass attempts that, were, that actually made it out of Jordan Travis's hand, you had 13 completions to running backs. So over a third of your, of your attempts, at least, were to running backs, and, and actually 22 completions. So 13 out of your 22 pass completions went to running backs on those little screens and things into the, into the boundary uh, oftentimes, but basically those, those uh, screens with the bunch and all that. And the design of that is it's basically a toss sweep where you're trying to get the ball out there where you can allow your receivers to block their DBs and your tight ends out there as well to block their DBs and linebackers or whoever's out there rather than relying on your offensive line to win on the inside. That's what you're doing. 
I mean, they're just sweeps where you're trusting that your big skill personnel is better at blocking than your offensive line. And then of the remaining nine completions, five went to Cam McDonald on that little boot action. So, I mean, you're talking about basically as minimal a passing game as you can have in this game. I mean, they just, it is plain to see that they do not trust Travis to throw. And by the way, that is three, or that is two staffs in a row and three coordinators in a row that don't trust him to throw. So take from that what you will. I mean, Walt Bell didn't trust him to throw. You know, he, he, when, when he came in, it was basically just to kind of run around a little bit and that was it. And then Kendall Bryles didn't trust him to throw aside from, again, some shot plays downfield and, you know, just throwing horizontally. And that's exactly what they're doing here. I mean, he did take a couple shots downfield, didn't, didn't actually complete him, but he does run around. And I mean, that's, that's what it is. And, and you could see it. I mean, and, and I got a, a, a very accurate direct message after this game, which was Jordan Travis is not a good quarterback, but he's a really good football player. And, you know, to that, I'll add, he makes plays. And that's what he does. He, he can win games for you by not losing them as long as he's not having to throw too much. If you can force the ball out of his hands and force him to throw, you can really cause some problems for Florida State. But he does a pretty good job of find, just finding ways to be pesky and be that guy that drives defensive coordinators crazy. And you look at the totals in this game, and it, it works out that way. Eight runs for 192 yards. Those are your eight big plays. Eight, eight runs of over 12 yards, four of them by Travis. And in terms of big pass plays, they had zero big plays in the passing game. Zero passes over 15 yards. Zero completions over 15 yards. And, you know, when you when you come down to it, I mean, how many times do you watch Jordan Travis drop back on, say, third and long or in a one-minute drive situation, and you're just hoping he does not throw the ball? I mean, I find myself, when he drops back, it's like, oh, please don't throw it. Please don't throw it. Just, just take off. Just take off. Just And then when he takes off to run... You're going, yeah, he might, you know, should be a gain. All right. And that tells you kind of where you're at. He's not, he's not the quarterback that you really want in this system, but he's a guy you can actually win games with because he finds ways to make plays generally with his feet. Now you do hope that sometimes you can get some plays where like the uh, little slip on the, on the screen action that they scored on before the half where you've set up a wide open shot. And he can hit that. Now, he, he almost missed that one. I mean, it was uh, actually a poor location on the throw. But it's a touchdown because you schemed a guy wide open and he can make that throw. So that's what you're basically hoping for is to scheme some guys open, to take a few shots, and he does throw a nice deep ball. But it's basically deep ball or, or screen or horizontal stuff, and that's it. And fact of the matter is they can't drop back and throw between the hashes and they, they really don't even try as a result, but they still won. And that's the key. Now, the question is, can you win many more games this year with 5.5 yards per play and two turnovers? Probably not. You're not playing a, another team that's this week for a while. So, you know, that's where that is. Now, I will say the offense, I thought, looked significantly better with Marie Smith at center once he got in there in the second quarter. They're going to try to survive this game without him to give him more opportunity to, to get healthier on the rest of the year. And they rolled the dice eventually in this game saying, look, we've got to, we've got to get him in there. And they did look better 
with him at, at offensive line. You you could tell you could tell the difference, and in particular, just in terms of the quality of snaps, things looked more streamlined, looked more in time as a result of that. And that, don't underestimate how much that impacts your passing game. If you're not getting good snaps back to the quarterback in, in the shotgun, you can't run a, a, a good passing game because it's based on timing. And now you got your quarterback who's having to take his eyes off the field. He's broken his his timing and all of this stuff. And now he needs to step up and suddenly find out where he's going. I mean, that that that's killer. So I, I thought the offense overall, though, looked better with Maurice Smith at, at center. And it was noticeable. It was surprisingly noticeable. So ultimately, though, it was pretty clear that in this game, they came into it determined to play very complimentary football. They were going to count on the defense to be able to limit a very bad Syracuse offense. I don't know that I'd say very bad, but bad Syracuse offense. And essentially, they were just going to try to run the football, manufacture enough offense to survive, and don't turn it over so that you don't give them short fields, and you should be able to handle enough on defense to give yourself a win. Now, it worked out, but as we move over to the defensive side of the ball, the defense, sort of in that middle part portion of the game, basically the middle half, um, they, they, were not, they were not good. <laughs> I mean, that, that was, the defense uh, did not live to what, they, what you would have hoped that they lived to in this game. I mean, they gave up. 6.2 yards per play to a bad football team. To a bad offense. I mean, I was saying, uh, going back to my preview, looking at my notes here, I was saying they should be able to hold, based on what other teams had done, you got to keep in mind, Rutgers held this team, this Syracuse team, granted with a different quarterback, to 4.16 yards per play and Liberty to 4.49. That's with this quarterback. 4.49 yards per play. To me, I said success would be, for this team, would be holding them under 4.4 yards per play and under 17 points. Um, that's a fail on both ends. I mean, it's not even close. It's a complete fail. But hey. Yeah. Wow. So 6.2 yards per play to this team. I mean, they gave up more yards per play to the Syracuse team than Ohio did. OU gave up 6.18 and 29 points. So Florida State's defense basically was as effective against Syracuse as Ohio was, as OU from the MAC. Not, not Ohio State, Ohio. That's just not good enough. And whereas the offense, you've got a lot of reasons to look at and you say, look, you don't have a quarterback that can that can throw the football. You don't have a healthy offensive line. And even when they were healthy, they were, you know, average players. You don't have playmakers on the outside. So you just don't have talent that you expect to be able to do much on offense. You're, you're manufacturing points. If you score over 30 points with that group, you've done serious work pretty much against anybody. But on defense, you look at that and you go, you know, you got a quality defensive line. You got players, you got some weaknesses at linebacker for sure. But you've got players. There, there's some you 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 should be better than what they're showing. Now, granted, again, today you could definitely see that they missed some of the players that were out. I mean, they were down. Travis J didn't really play today, and you could see after he uh he he played at the end of the half when they when they threw the the Hail Mary, he's the guy that came down with it. 
But you could see he was grimacing the whole way he went to the sideline. So you can see why he wasn't playing. Dent was out. Briggs and Ray were out. So, I mean, you're down quite a few players that are in the regular rotation, and a couple of them, you're better talents. Definitely. I mean, you're, you're playing essentially a walk-on at, at safety for a good portion of this game. But still, just poor execution way too many times. Now, the first quarter's fine. First quarter's what the whole game should have looked like. And the second quarter started out okay. It was fine until about the middle of the second quarter when suddenly Syracuse figured out the answer and their quarterback started getting loose. And then you started to see that the lack of athleticism and the lack of depth at Florida State really started to, to show. And the second half was a debacle, as far as I'm concerned, defensively. You, there's no excuse to be that poor. And, you know, some of it is that they're wearing down. I mean, they, some of those guys looked tired as early as the third quarter. Some of it is that they're, you know, pretty predictable and they're getting figured out in certain respects. And, and teams are basically running a ton of crossing routes and things like that and mesh and all that because they're playing a lot of man or, or match type coverages where, where guys are pursuing. I mean, that's... I do wonder how much they're conditioning in practice. Because this team does not look to me to be a team that is in tremendous shape, just in terms of conditioning. And I wonder how much some of these guys are conditioning on a regular basis. I mean, are, how much are they doing gassers or stadiums on, on Mondays, for example? How much of that is, is actually there? How much are they doing these sorts of things at the end of practices? And there's always a balance. You don't want to come into games without, without your legs, but you do want to be in really good condition. And I, 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 I suspect that they're not quite in the condition that they should be. But again, I'm old school on that, and I do wonder about that. So, I mean, they gave up, and they gave up a lot of big plays against an offense that has not had a ton of them this year. Eight runs for 168 yards, four passes for 93 yards, and it's the passes to me that were the most inexcusable, along with a couple of the quarterback runs where you had guys that got out leveraged a little bit and then just, look, it looked bad, guys. But, the positive on the defensive side is, situationally speaking, they handled their business after two turnovers. They gave up three points on two turnovers, and that's where the game's won, right there. They had the drop punt at midfield, and they only gave up a field goal. And I, I tweeted at that point, you know, yeah, so they're obviously going to give up a, a, a touchdown here, right? Like, that's inevitable. And they didn't. So, hey, they, they only gave up three points there, and then uh, on the interception, or actually, no, that was, a, I didn't tweet that for that. I tweeted that after the interception. They gave up, they only gave up three points on the interception. They didn't give up any points after the drop, drop punt, after the muff punt. So feel pretty good about that. They just need to be more focused all the time. And, and you can see that this is a team where they don't have enough talent not to be locked in at every moment. And you've got too many guys that they'll just take a play off here and there. And you can just see it. They just don't, they don't flip the switch every play. They're, they're flipping the switch too often and they're not good enough to flip switches. I mean, that's just the way it is. But again, came out, came out victors. Hopefully you can parlay that into some, into further success uh, in terms of building team culture and, and continuing to get guys to stay bought in and hopefully steal some wins in the, in, in the uh, remaining three quarters of the season. And that's what you're hoping, but we'll see. One final thing in terms of, of all this is we should talk about special teams. And to me, special teams were one big yikes. I mean, a big yikes. I mean, hmm. kick coverage is poor. 
Gave up a lot of yardage on kick return. He had two bad snaps on PAT field goal, one of which led to a missed, missed PAT. That was not actually on Fitzgerald there, even though it's going to get credited as a missed PAT for him. It was, it was a bad snap. And another one basically forced the the uh, the PAT, the, the holder, to stand up. That's just, That's not good. They've got... That's what you have a special teams coordinator for, is to make sure that PAT holder and snappers and all of that are perfect. That's what you do. It's not been good. They've got to be a lot better than that, and that's got to get some serious attention. Punt was okay, not great. Punt return was obviously poor. Yikes. They don't always catch them, and then when they, even when they're there to catch them, they don't always catch them. <laughs> Let too many hit the ground, and then, you know, they, they had the one drop that turned into a turnover. I still don't know what the scheme is on, on kickoff return, if, or if they have one, or if it's just basically try to block somebody. I, 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 don't, I don't see a whole lot going on there, and I, I wonder what's going on right now in terms of kickoff return. Because it's got to be better than that. Nevertheless, success breeds success, and you've got a happy group of players that you're hoping can build on a win here playing against a much more vulnerable UNC than you expected them to be coming into the season. And you can coach them harder this week and you should expect more energy after this win. You should expect an energized team that's got a little bounce in their step that you can really get after in film session and other things where they'll be more able to take some of that criticism at this stage because you actually had success on the field. And again, this team has played better than their record. Now, not by much now that they have this win. I mean, they probably should be two and three right now. But they have played better and there has been some improvement in lots of respects in terms of process and in terms of technique on certain things. There's been, you know, improvement overall. But mm, it's just hard to see where a lot of those wins are coming from the rest of the year. And they're going to have to figure out how to squeeze more blood out of the turnip with, with the quarterback situation. That's just what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to find ways to keep manufacturing points. Because I don't think you're scoring over 30 with what they did today against many teams. Certainly not many teams on their schedule. They're going to have to figure out how to layer on some other things and be able to do some other things that are going to be able to produce points. But I think they'll try to do that more against teams that they think can actually score on their defense. But again, this team scored on their defense, so most teams can. And the defense is going to need its players back. It's going to need Jay, Dent, Briggs, Ray, and others to be on the field and, and to execute better. I mean, that's just the way it is, but we'll see. I mean, I'm not super optimistic about next week, but uh, it's good to get good. If you're, you know, floor in the Florida state program, good to finally get a win and, uh, and, and to be able to move forward with some positive things to work with. And I can tell you right now that coaching staff is breathing a big sigh of relief with the way that that game ended, given uh, how the game should have been in hand long before. I mean, they should have been going in, 23 to 13 should have been going in uh, into the end zone after that, that muff punt. They should have been just catch the punt there and should be going in to put that game away, but they keep finding ways to shoot themselves in the foot. At least this time it was only in the foot and not something that would cause uh, more lasting and terminal damage. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, ShenRealEstate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach and Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast shop at unconqueredpodcast.com, which features stickers, magnets, and other seminal gear.
Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level, that is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kashishki, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this. <laughs>